story brought to you by Refuge Ministries Canada. For the next half hour, your hearts will be filled with hope as you hear real-life stories from individuals that have been changed by the power of God. Enjoy the show. Hi, welcome to Refuge Freedom Stories. I'm your guest host, Johnny T. And my guest tonight is Curry Blanford. He's been a pastor for 12 years, also works full-time in a lot of different capacities, especially on a farm, has a master's degree in exegesis and theology, and is versant in a number of topics, especially God's kingdom, living a life for God, and breaking down myths about theology and how it integrates into our whole life. How are you doing tonight, Curry? I'm doing great. Excited to be here and, and chat. Yeah, it's great to have you here. So tell me about your life. Yeah, I guess I'll start sort of at the beginning a little bit. I'm originally from uh, Amarillo, Texas, which is a city in West Texas, kind of in the north, the Panhandle area. It's right smack dab there in the middle. And when you're from somewhere like that, it's very Bible Belt. Like yeah. church is very much a part of the culture and how you grow up. So I kind of grew up in church. You know, we weren't every week sort of churchgoers, but you know, I grew up sort of learning the stories, was baptized when I was in middle school-ish. But around that time, my life was just really tumultuous too, right? Mm. My parents went through kind of a, a really messy divorce. My sister and I were navigating that with some awkwardness between, you know, parents. And my grandfather, who I was really close to, passed away all in that same period. And so I was just experiencing a lot of like grief and suffering and didn't have a, a way to process those things or know what I was going through. And moving into high school, kind of walked away from the Lord, like was living a life very opposed to- Very outside uh, of the gospel. Yeah. Yes, very much so. Very much so. <laughs> Yeah, I was, a, I was a football player. I was an offensive lineman in Texas in high school. And so I just sort of lived that life, like doing all the high school stuff, partying and, and all that stuff. I get, I go to college. It's my freshman year. I just stayed, you know, locally, went to the local community college and I was partying one night. I was out with some friends. I was mad about something. Something didn't go the way I wanted it to. I went home early. I was living with my parents still. And that night, just God was ready for me and like spoke to me. And it was like, what is your life like? What are you doing with yourself? Look at where you're headed. It was a dark place where I was headed. There was drugs. There was alcohol. I was just living uh, into that. And that night, I decided I was done with all of that stuff. I wanted to follow God. And so I went downstairs to my parents' room and I, I walked into their bedroom and I legitimately told them, everything I had ever done. You know, mm. I kind of just like laid out like confession time. And after that night, my life was just completely transformed. I would stay home and just sort of like hang out by myself a lot. You know, I gave up like all of these friends that I had built this whole community. I just gave it all up and just started kind of living for God. Don't you find there's such a release to, and freedom in that confession? There really is. And I do like, it wasn't even cognitive. It wasn't like I should go confess. I was compelled. And I really do looking back, I didn't have words for the Holy Spirit and understood what the Spirit was. But man, God's Spirit was compelling me, speaking to me and compelling me to go and, and kind of lay the slate clean because without that accountability of like bringing someone else into this story, you know, it would have been so easy to sort of slip back into the way mm. I was living. So where did life take you from there? That's yeah, a big so, change. Yeah, it was a big change. It was a really big change. Yeah, it was kind of a whirlwind from there, to be honest with you. I went on a Christian retreat down in Texas and I, I don't know, I don't know how far they reach, but it's called a walk to Emmaus. And so, you know, there's, it's, it's a three-day retreat. There's kind of speakers and it's a really, really powerful time. And on that retreat, I got a call into ministry and it's ironic because I don't even know that I knew what ministry was or what yeah. people who in ministry did, you know, there was just like this impression 
impression I just could not shake of going into ministry. And after my parents divorced, my mom had kind of gotten really plugged in with the church and she was going regularly. And ironically enough, the church that she was at had just lost their youth pastor and didn't have anybody to play guitar for the youth group. Yeah, I play guitar. Music was a big <laughs> part of my life. And that was a, a very different life when I was walking away from God. But God used that skill to like basically make me a youth pastor, you know, about a month or two after I had really like rededicated my life to God and was, you know, living this Christian life. It was funny because I was having to teach these kids lessons. And this youth group included my sister. It was a small group of 15, 20 kids, but yeah. I was literally like a week ahead of them in the book we were going through. It was like, you know, reading the Bible in 30 days or something. And I was like learning the stuff before I was teaching it, you know, but it was just yeah. such a, you know, powerful time of learning for me, you know, having to teach that thing to other people. And being dependent on God to, to really understand because you're representing him yeah. to a group of very impressionable teenagers, right? you know, that, that are searching that, potentially for answers themselves, right? Yeah, you're so right. And that job being in youth ministry was just profound for me, you you know, I, like having to have responsibility for other people for the first time and like, you know, understanding even what it was to walk through people through hard things and, you know, kind of minister to these kids. It was, it was powerful. So obviously that kind of laid some stepping stones for you to work towards getting your two master's degrees. Yeah. So it just so happened since I'm from a smaller town in Texas, there were Bible classes that I could take at my local community college that actually worked towards a religion degree. So I started taking religion classes. You know, I'd been in a business degree. I was basically failing out of it at the time, you know, because yeah. I wasn't taking school very seriously. I switched to a religion degree and just sort of fell in love with it. There was one of the guys kind of became my mentor. He had just graduated from Wheaton College where I ended up going to college later on and got the degree that I now have, you know? So he like mentored me through the steps, like kind of showing me, you know, how to be somebody who takes the Bible seriously and who, you know, delves into the Bible. So that first year I was taking an Old Testament class, a New Testament class, and I was actually taking Greek as well. They wow. offered Greek to the community college. That class started with 20 or 25 students and ended up with three by the end of the first semester. So man, God just got a hold of me. And like, I'd never taken school seriously. I'd never been a great student, but man, just this Bible stuff came so naturally to me, you know, even Greek, it wasn't intimidating and it wasn't hard because I loved it. And I cared about the subject. And, you know, after that first year of really delving into the Bible, I ended up at Moody Bible Institute mm. up in Chicago because it was mm -hmm. tuition paid and I could actually afford to go there and pay my way through <laughs> school, which led me to Wheaton College and my graduate degrees, you know, and just this ministry was always a around, you know, from that time I first started doing ministry, I was just, I was always doing ministry and that's what I wanted to do. And that looked like so many different things in different seasons, but it always came back to that, you know, idea. Yeah. God says the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Right. And also before yeah. he even created you in your mother's womb, he already knew that he wanted you to be a pastor. So do you think that that scares a lot of younger Christians, you know, because I know you were talking in your bio about like living your life every day for God and all the things that you do. And I firmly believe that myself, but I think that maybe people don't really understand that not everybody's called into, you know, one of the fivefold ministry, you know, possible, possible prophet, teacher, evangelist, pastor, so on. Right. Yeah. And I think maybe that hinders some people from really pressing into God 
Like, how did you come to grips with your place in the body of Christ as a minister? And how did that shape your view to see living your life for God every day in every aspect of daily life, work, not just the ministry? I think that's a great question. I I mean, that's a lot of what I'm doing over at my podcast, A Theology of Hustle. I'm talking to people about their work and how it you know goes into God's kingdom. And that's just always been a passion of mine. And I think it's a good question. It's hard to sort of wrap my mind around the why behind all this, but I get the sense and just my circles and the people that I'm around that we, we've elevated these positions of sort of pastor and missionary as these sort of like, these are the things that the godly people do. And yeah. then everybody else just does these other things. And that is meant to just like support the people doing the actual godly stuff, whether that be financially or, you know, whatever that means. I think we've really hindered people's understanding of how their hands and their work builds God's kingdom and that they're doing the godly jobs, even if they're not being pastors and missionaries and that, you know, they have so much influence where they're at and they're, they're, they're building God's kingdom. They're, they're members of God's kingdom, building it through the things that they do every single day. And so being a pastor doesn't necessarily mean you're doing the godly job per se, you know, there's a role there and it's important for organizing the church and keeping it functioning and, you know, pouring into people, but everybody's, you know, ministering in their jobs every single day. I, I truly believe. And I think we need to reclaim that sense of, of what it means to really be a, a Christian in our, our everyday lives. I'm very passionate about that, as you can tell. But like, like even Paul, I mean, Paul was a tent maker. He, his job was to make tents. And then when we read scripture, it's always like we get the highlights, right? It's like, you know, you're reading the book of Acts and it's like, oh, holy, like healing and the Holy Spirit and like Paul's preaching and but like he lived seven days a week too, you know, and was having to make a living and earn money. And he was doing ministry all of that time too, you know, not just when he was preaching. So talking about living your life every day for God and going back to your previous life before you were walking with God, do you think that that's a challenge for young people that maybe they're God conscious? So they know God exists, but yet they haven't really taken that step in faith yet to confess their sins to to the Lord and, and ask him into their heart, you know, and, and experience that change in their life. And now they feel the tug in their heart that God wants them to live out their life in the marketplace, working, representing Jesus on a daily basis, or stepping yeah. into the ministry. But do you think that previous life of sin and the condemnation, the shame that comes with it is a barrier to somebody stepping out into their true calling for God? Do you think that is a lack of victory or understanding of the freedom that comes in Christ? Do you think that's a real barrier to young people progressing into what God's called them to do? Yeah, I, I think that definitely could be. I think there are instances where like all of us don't understand the true freedom that we have in Christ. You know, I mean, even we keep talking about the Holy Spirit, but like when you accept Jesus Christ into your heart and when you when you become a Christian, God literally dwells within you. Right. Yeah. You were the, the the temple. Right. And we are we are part of this like new creation that's coming about. Yeah. And if God literally dwells within you, then God is going to equip you for the things to which he has called you. Right. And I think when we're part of a kingdom, we follow the king. Right. And I think yep. so many of us can get obsessed with sort of control and being in control. And I think a lot of it 
is just giving ourselves over to God and what he has for us. And easier said than done, yeah. trust me. But I think yielding that control over to God and, and yielding that control over to God's spirit, I think, leads us to greater enjoyment of, of the life that he's given us and greater enjoyment of an ability to do ministry right where we are, right? We don't have to go somewhere else to do ministry. We're right. doing ministry right where we are, you know? And when we step into that freedom, we step into that, that aspect, then we, we can more greatly do that. And I think the thing is, God isn't calling us like you don't have to be a perfect person to minister to other people, right? God yep. uses broken things all of the time, right? right? And so even if you feel broken, I think yielding over to God and like giving him yourself, even in your brokenness, he can do amazing things with you. Like I know the Bible says old things are passed away and all things have become new. Just like you said, if you had any lingering doubts about your calling, but what was that breakthrough revelation to you that you just knew that you knew that you knew that you had to pursue that path? To go into ministry? Yeah. I mean... I Again, I couldn't have explained it at the time. I had never heard from God in my life except for when I got saved, but it was the same voice. Yeah. And it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't an audible voice, but it was just this impression that just pressed in on me and was like, this is the next step. And yeah, I want to be careful with even talking about my calling and journey like that because God is, isn't going to speak to all of us in that way. And I think a lot of times we're like absolutely. looking for that thing, yeah, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Everybody's an individual. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. I think my breakthrough became just because I'm called into ministry and like right now, vocational ministry as a pastor is what that looks like. That doesn't mean that's all I do either, right? Like I have all these other kind of jobs that give me a lot of life and I'm in the, the marketplace in a lot of different yeah. ways, yeah. which allows me to do my job as a pastor even better, right? Mm -hmm. It's easy to get caught up in these this bubble of, of sort of ministry where you're only doing sort of, I'm going to put air quotes here, God stuff, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, and not being able to like reach other people or, you know, really understand what most people go through in the marketplace. And I think that there's a real benefit to like, your calling isn't the thing that's going to complete you. Your calling isn't the end all be all, but seeding that control again, like, like I said, over to God and giving your life over to God. He can do amazing things with you no matter where you're at. I noticed one of the things that you talk about is foster care and adoption. So maybe you could expand a little bit about that and how that has impacted you and how you've seen God work in that area of your life. Yeah, I appreciate you bringing that up. I, that's like something very near and dear to my wife and I's hearts. So my wife, when she was 15 or so, she went on a missions trip to the Dallas area. And basically they had brought in uh, one of these children from the you know south side of Dallas and kind of took responsibility for them, not in any like legal way, but right. You just kind of, you know, hanging out with them, sort of a discipleship thing. And so her, her little guy that she started hanging out with ended up visiting up in Amarillo a couple of times. And my wife just really felt called into adoption. And when, awesome. yeah, right. It's, it was cool. Right. Yeah. But when we got married, I was then called into adoption. Option, right. That was part of the, <laughs> that's part of the deal. Right. Uh, you know, and so I took on that calling uh, because of her and because of her passion uh, behind that sort of stuff. So we have two older bio kids and then we have a little guy who's four going on five who was adopted uh, domestically. And just a lot of our lives for uh, maybe eight or nine years now, we've been doing support groups for foster and adoptive families. Because mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of people wanting Christians to foster and adopt, but there's not a lot of people willing to stand there and support them once that process has happened. Trauma's real. 
parenting kids from hard places can be a real challenge. And so my wife and I teach other parents how to parent from a trauma informed perspective, how to teach their kids how to, you know, kind of control themselves and, and, you know, just attachment and all of those things. So we work with a ministry called Replanted Ministry that leads those foster and adoptive support groups. And I mean, the Bible could not be more clear about this issue and the role that Christians are supposed to take. And so that doesn't mean that everybody's called to foster it or adopt, but it does mean that everybody's called to fulfill a role in that, whether it be supporting these families, whether it be giving financially, because adoption is very, very expensive. Uh, we're all called to be a part of that process. And I, I think that is a place that is just a no brainer for Christians to be ministering. And so I think it's a great spot to be in and caring for kids is always going to be something that is gospel oriented and, and part of God's kingdom. We're adopted into the body of Christ. We're getting saved. So I mean, yeah. it's not a big stretch, right? Amen. So let's say there's some people listening today that have been adopted. They've maybe been adopted out of a place that was not a good place for them to be. You know, sure. what would you say to them about how Jesus could help them with their struggles? How would you help them to understand what God can really give to them? Yeah, I think that's good. I think uh, adoption's hard, right? I think adoption fundamentally starts with brokenness, right? It was not intended to be that way. And I think it can be really hard to be brought into a new family, no matter if that's from birth or if it's, you know, when you're in high school or whatever. And I think, I mean, I think I would say the same thing as I would say to anybody that we we have a savior who understands what we go through because he literally walked on this earth, right? Like that God, the, the creator and sustainer of all things that made you and I that loves us actually became a man to die for our sins. The view of that power just is unfathomable. Like who does that? What person in power dies? What king dies for his subjects? You know, and I, I just think there is such freedom when you understand who God truly is, right? There's a lot of caricatures of, of who God is, but God fundamentally is a God that loves his people enough to die for them. And I think that there can be a tremendous freedom found from that. I would also say that the body of Christ is powerful. And that there are people out there who want to help and, you know, seeing a therapist is a good thing. Like working through these things is a good thing. And those can be things that the Holy Spirit also, you know, brings about in your life through the people of God, through the body of Christ. A lot of situations where young children, right from babies up to teenage age or so on, that get adopted, you know, they're going to have issues with maybe not having a father in their life yeah. or they maybe they've experienced some trauma you know, some abuse, something like that. And they're going to be very cautious about who they give their love to, yeah. right? Because they may not have experienced love in any capacity, any real capacity for themselves. So just as a final thought, what would you say about the reality of God's love and how it can breach across those gaps into somebody's life? Somebody's listening today and they're saying, you know what, I've gone through those things and you know, like I'm living with a different family than my own or whatever. If you had one opportunity to sit down over a cup of coffee with a person that's been in that situation and they said, okay, I'm going to give you three minutes to explain to me why I should believe in this God and the love that he has for me. What would you say to them? I think that's a good question. I'm a pastor, right? I'm, I should be an expert in all of these things. And it's still something I wrestle with, even because of my own past and my own, you know, history and things that I've, I've had to work through for a long time. And I would say, yeah, I always love to say that I get up in front of a lot of people every week and I tell them, 
God loves you. And I firmly believe that. I do believe that when I say that. It's always much harder for me to say, God loves me. That's a much harder thing to say. And I would say that till I had children of my own, it is unfathomable to me how much I can love this little person, right? I want to give up everything for this little person to, I want to protect them from everything, right? They are my entire life in a lot of ways. And I love them so little compared to how much God loves them, right? And that's how much God loves me. And that's how much God loves you. And that's how much God Mm -hmm. loves us all, right? It it is an unfathomable amount of love. And I think that if we can truly just enter into that love and truly like give ourselves over to God and just ask him to be there, I truly believe if we can do that with sincerity, that we will be met, right? He, He talks about, you know, if you knock and you seek that I will be there. I truly believe if you seek God, he will be found and you cannot fathom how much love that God has for you. And it doesn't mean your life's going to be perfect. And it doesn't mean the trauma is going to go away. And it doesn't mean that like everything's hunky dory, but it means that you will know that there's somebody that loves you beyond a shadow of a doubt. Right. And that changes lives. It changed my life. It changed, you know, person after person. And it's real. That's, that's what I would say to him. Amen. Well, that's awesome. And I I truly agree with you 100%. If we're just willing to take that step in faith to reach out to a God that exists and loves us, he's going to meet us. You know, it may not be in a way that we expect, but I believe that he will reveal himself to us. And it's really the only sane choice to make. I agree. I really appreciate you being on our show and God bless you. If somebody wants to find out more about your ministry with adoption and fostering, where can they go? So the foster care ministry is called Replanted Ministry, and you can go to replantedministry.org. We also have a conference we host every year up here in Chicago. You can go to replantedconference.org to find out more about that. Well, that's awesome. Well, thanks again for being here, and God bless you so much. Thanks so much for having me. It was super fun. Oh, something got a hold on me. Oh, something got a hold on me Oh, something got a hold Something got a hold Something got a hold on me Oh, something got a hold on me Oh, something got a hold